What is leadership in one word? Coffee. She took mine. Need sleep. Patience. Humility. Inspiring. Flexibility. Compassion. Understanding. Personal growth. Dedication. Leadership is love. Welcome to episode three of the Bright Spots podcast, where we give a microphone to content experts and practitioners doing timely and innovative work to support students across the state of California and beyond. As always, I am your host, SELPA program specialist, Jeremiah Witten. This month, we have a very special episode entitled Educational Leadership, Navigating Our New Normal, where my co-host Moises Buhane and I will speak with a live on-site panel of school administrators about facing new COVID-19 related challenges, building community, self-care, technology, and other topics. As an added bonus, we have some audio content and personal stories for you that we collected from participants at the El Dorado Charter Self Leadership Academy held in July 2021 in San Diego, California. Enjoy the show. Well, Moises and I are here at Leadership Academy in my hometown of sunny San Diego. Moises, can you share some context on our topic today? Yeah, excited, Jeremiah. I mean, here I am too in sunny San Diego hometown as well. And you know, we have this great uh, cohort of folks here at Leadership Academy, really representing uh, the state, right, from Southern California all the way to Northern California. And we're talking about everything from program design to fiscal hot topics. And we're ending the day now on leadership development, something that we're really thinking about uh, as we move through the fall. Absolutely. Well, we're going to have our panelists introduce each other. We have a little bit of a different format for today's episode. So we're going to have a panel of three amazing educators from across the state. And we're going to have them introduce themselves one at a time, and then we'll dive right in. So we'll start with you, Sarah. I am Sarah Watson. I'm from Contra Costa County School of Performing Arts, and I am their Director of Special Education and Student Services. Hello, my name is Kirsten Anderson. I'm the Special Education Program Coordinator for Altus Charter Schools, which includes eight LEAs. I'm Alexis Granzella. I am an Education Specialist and a Leadership Team Member at Kairos Public School in Vacaville, California. I'm Eric Crawford. I'm Director of Special Education and Student Services of Gateway Community Charters up in Sacramento County. Thank you all for joining us and Leadership Academy with the Charter Selva today. Our first question is for Alexis. Uh, but any of you are welcome to jump in as we go. With the distance learning era sunsetting in public education this summer and schools reopening for full in-person instruction, I imagine folks are both excited and a little uncertain across the country. Could you share a little bit about how you feel in general about opening your doors this fall and perhaps some feelings you've gathered from parents, students, and staff at your school? Um, so actually, we've been open since October of last year, and I have to admit at first it was pretty nerve-wracking. Everybody was unsure, didn't know what it was going to look like. Uh, We had really great leadership and direction from up top, but we decided to open October 13th and with masks in place and barriers and lots and lots of plastic. But I think that it, I mean, ultimately, I think that it was what was best for kids and making sure that they're back in the classroom. My students and families are thrilled to be going back to school. I've been getting a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls about um, activities that we have coming up. And there's been a lot of happy tears from the middle schoolers about getting to actually go to school. Um, And the parents, I think, as well, are just kind of excited to have their students back with other kids their own age. I think think that was one of the biggest rewards rounding out the end of the school year was my middle schoolers coming up to me and say, wow, like, I really enjoyed school this year. I liked being able to come. And I think that sense of community that we were able to 
fostering the classroom really, 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 really helped. Alexis, yeah, you spoke about community. I'd love to hear, Sarah, how your school is approaching and just planning on building community with staff, students, and families. You've heard about some happy tears. What's it looking like for 21-22? So we've actually started already the process of bringing the community back together. Um, we started... Well, we started as soon as COVID hit, but really the last two months have been focused on different activities. We've had different uh, food truck vendors, different open houses, all outdoors activities that we were able to socially distance, but still have the students and staff be meeting each other, taking small group tours. Um, we've also got some community Zooms that have been set up that are that are very exciting, actually. We've got one that's going to be focused specifically for students in special education or that have 504 plans so they can hear about what we have to offer and see the faces of the educators that they're going to be meeting. Um, and then we've got another for all of our new students that are coming in, uh, whether it be the sixth graders or brand new in seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, any of those grades. So we're trying to really connect with them before they even hit campus. But once they get to us, we have a community that is set up that's called the Wellness Community. And it's an entire team of educators and um, some of our amazing leadership students that are gonna be running different programs and different um, activities throughout the first two weeks of school to try to make sure that everybody is feeling really confident and happy. Um, any questions are answered and any of those nerves of not being in school for the last 18 months um, are hopefully gone or at least diminished a little bit. And to go along with the community engagement piece, we've been actively working with local health professionals in our area and working on community and uh, just making sure we have all the information that they want and addressing their concerns in conjunction with a lot of the healthcare providers in our areas as well, just building that confidence back up with them as well. Eric, this question's for you. Over the past year as educators, we face unprecedented challenges and expectations, and I believe educators, parents, and most importantly, students across the country have shown remarkable resilience and creativity through this COVID journey. Can you highlight some unique opportunities stemming from this innovation that your leadership team plans on carrying forward? Absolutely. We've done an amazing job of taking all the changes that we've had to deal with during COVID and implementing them as we move forward. Uh, for instance, uh, giving different platforms for student learning, expanding on independent study programs, developing a new LEA of a virtual academy for students whose families found that this is a better way for them to educate their students at home. Um, overall, being able to realize that we can do a lot of business via platforms that we shunned before uh, like zoom uh, some of the meetings where we don't all have to come together but we can in a virtual setting where, where our efficiency and our time is more valuable where we can respect the time of our parents where we can be more mindful of the needs of our parents and what they need and to better connect with them just overall and support what they need i see a lot of great value in what we're doing and how we can incorporate the steep learning curve that we had and build it onto our excellent programs that we've already worked with and expand to further develop the richness of the programs we provide for our families. Eric, that's great. And this question is actually for you, Kristen. You know, with technology and digital resources becoming more available and really essential in our day-to-day -day life, as well as in the field of education, share a few tech tools or program recommendations that you feel could be helpful for our listeners. So absolutely, with the COVID-19 pandemic, we certainly had to pivot and be willing and able to trial new technology in order for our kids to succeed. Um, some of the tech tools that we've been using um, have really been in the mix for you know quite a long time, but we just really haven't taken the time to explore them further. 
The biggest tool that we've been using for our kids who are in independent study who are struggling is the co-writer and snap and read program, which is actually a Google add-on. I've found that that has been really essential for a lot of our kids who are in independent study because they're able to use that tool across different platforms, across different curriculums. So instead of being locked in to, you know, the accommodations that are available in a curriculum, co-writer can go from website to website and it can go from curriculum to curriculum. I know it's it's amazing. I actually use CoWriter and Snap and Read. It's it's incredible to see, especially a student who struggled with reading his entire life and has that self image of I'm a poor reader, be able to see words turn into pictures and turn into rich text, and just to see that connection has been really encouraging for me throughout my career as well. Absolutely. And another thing that I really like about it is that um, it loads onto computers really easily. And I know that sounds kind of like funky, but we often, for a lot of our kids who require AT, load up so many programs that all of a sudden it's like, Miss Henderson, my Chromebook doesn't work anymore. It's totally shut down. This is one of those simple programs that covers so many different accessibility and it just doesn't crash the computers. So this next question is for the whole panel. Self-care is like the biggest, most common catchphrase. And I know my listeners are turning their podcasts off right now because I said the word. But I'm going I'm to pull them back from the brink because self-care, taking care of yourself is so important. So uh, can you share a little bit about what you do for self-care with our listeners? Sure. I'm not a huge proponent of actually using the phrase self-care because of the fact that it's so overused and it's like, what is self-care? How do we do that? But for me, essentially, it was just finding something that I look forward to at the end of the day that isn't another burden. Um, so honestly, for me, I really enjoy kickboxing at the end of the day. It's really a nice way to unwind, especially after those IEPs with you know, aggressive individuals, <laughs> you're able to just kind of, you know, go channel your energy and it requires so much just physical ability that you're not even thinking about work anymore. You finish and you kind of have this like rush of endorphins. So because I'm a mom of two kids and I'm working some pretty odd hours right now, trying to get back in the flow of school, I think that scheduling time for myself that I'm not allowed to change, that I'm not allowed to get rid of. Um, has been really important. I ride horses in my spare time and on my Saturdays, so that's something that um, has been really therapeutic. It, I'm very competitive, so it's where I can kind of get my competition out and allows me to come back to school on Monday or after a writing, a training session um, and feel like I'm a little bit calmer, a little bit more at ease, and it gives me at least an hour of time where I'm not thinking about all of the things that are coming down the pipeline for us as educators. Going right along with you, um, I'm a mom of two little ones, but we get out a lot, um, lots of walks with our dogs and camping. We, we have a rooftop tent and we pack it all up and go. We're working on a trailer right now and it's, it's really nice just to be able to get out and go and explore and hiking kids love it for me it's giving myself permission to disconnect to actually leave the phone behind to only go out to nature with an ebook uh, it's buy only technology uh, take my dog out to the water and just 
leave everything else behind knowing it's going to be there when we get back and we can address it then. But in the meantime, just take a moment to not carry all the burdens of my staff and my teachers and families and just recenter myself so when I come back, I can be the best I can for them. It does feel like sometimes as educators, we're like the giver where we're taking on so much of the emotion and support of our students or our staff. And so it is important to be able to do some kickboxing when you get home. Absolutely. And I, I really like how you said giving ourselves permission to like disconnect, to turn it off because, you know, those emails will still be there on Monday morning and, and burnout is real. I mean, we can, we can talk about self care all day, but if we're just going, burning the candle at all ends, nobody benefits from it. Thank you all for joining us and sharing insight on leadership with our listeners. And we really appreciate it having you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed our special episode on site at the Charter Self of Special Education Leadership Academy. It was fun to record. Special thanks to our panelists and the Academy participants who shared content for the episode. You can visit our website at charterselpa.org to access additional special education resources and our upcoming professional learning opportunities. You can subscribe to the Bright Spots podcast on the iPhone podcast app and Spotify, and feel free to leave a five-star review if you like our episode today. To wrap up episode three, we asked Leadership Academy participants to share some memorable student stories. I hope these bright spots leave you with a smile on your face. The Bright Spots crew, Charter Selpa, and the whole El Dorado County Office of Education team, thank you for listening. I have a student who just met me here in San Diego um, to visit me after being my student for four years in the Bay Area. I had a student who in one year went from speaking only in rote phrases to being able to answer yes and no questions in five word utterances. I had a student who was crying and when I asked her why, she said she was just so happy to be back in school. I had a student who kept a drawing that I made for her in her school notebook for six years. I had a student who I came back as to, and they were the teacher, and I was a student in the class. I had a student who came back as my speech and language pathologist. I had a student that I got to hire on as a teacher last year. All right, I had this one student. Uh, he was trying to press a girl in the class, and he sprayed a bunch of Axe cologne all over his clothes, and he stained them. I had a little girl that I taught in kindergarten, um, and she wasn't. She was learning English, and she. Uh, wasn't much of a speaker in her native language. By the end of the year, she was speaking in full sentences. Well, a couple years later, in about fourth grade, I went back and I visited her classroom. I saw her and uh, she had the exact same cadence as me. I walked into the classroom and I was like, oh, she sounds exactly like me. <laughs> we um, had a student this last school year who has selective mutism. She's in the fifth grade and had not felt comfortable talking at all at school. She started speaking mid-year and it brought everyone that's been on her team to tears and it's been a huge celebration at our school. I always appreciated the humor of uh, younger students. I had a um, elementary school student a couple months ago who asked me why I was bald, and I didn't really have a good answer, so he said, maybe it's because you got too many haircuts. A child intentionally tripped me on a relay race, but I still won. My son is on the autism spectrum. One day he decided to make a comic strip of all the idioms he had learned in his English class to help other students that were um, disabled or had a learning disability be able to understand idioms. And I thought that was so awesome and he's gonna publish it and everything. So.
I had a student with epilepsy. She had multiple brain surgeries and was told that she would be moderately to severely disabled. She graduated with honors and hopes to become a special education lawyer and head to Harvard.